the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Today, a very special guest joins us, and certainly to fans of football in the San Francisco Bay Area, a name immediately recognizable, Napoleon Kaufman. You perhaps are familiar with the story of Napoleon Kaufman, the football player, a star at Lompoc High School who won a scholarship in 1991 to play at the University of Washington, went on to become a first-round draft pick for the Raiders, spent six full years as one of the premier running backs in the NFL playing for the Raiders, but then made a transition. He made that transition from the gridiron on Sundays to the pulpit on Sunday mornings. Joining us today is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Pastor Kaufman, good to have you with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, Craig. It's a blessing to be here. And good, good to see you again. And, and you as well. And um, appreciate spending some time with you today. And, and, and to lead off for listeners that are certainly perhaps familiar with the Well Christian community in Livermore, they've seen you undoubtedly on television, they've heard you on radio, they know of your work in the pulpit, some know of your work on the gridiron. Many perhaps don't know how that transition from one to the other came about. So, Take us back. I mentioned your role. You were one of the big stars on the gridiron at Lompoc High School in the Central Coast section. And um, then after your tenure, as we mentioned, up at the University of Washington, on to the NFL and the Raiders. God had a bigger calling for you, though. Tell us how all that came to be. Well, yeah, you know, I uh, when I when I was drafted by the Raiders uh, in 95, you know, I, I, I really my whole life, I really was just thinking that, you know, my life was just about me making it to the NFL, getting money, buying stuff, and uh, and just going through life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home per se. You know, we would go to church every now and then. Um, I knew about I knew about the Lord. Like I said, I had been to church, but didn't know what it really meant to walk with God and, and uh, surrender your life to God, and, and then ultimately God having a purpose for your life and different things of that nature. And so um, went through that year, 1995. And I just, I just realized like something's, something's not right in my life. You know, the things that I, I, I wanted, I, I got something's missing here. It, it doesn't seem right. And I started kind of exploring a little bit and, and doing some soul searching. Well, during that time, we had a brother on the team by the name of Jerome Davison. And he um, was the fullback on the Raiders. And one day at practice, in 1996, that next year, 1996, during training camp, he just approached me with the gospel and he just said, hey, Napoleon, he said, hey, man, you don't even look like the type of guy to be out here cussing and acting crazy like the rest of these guys. Don't you know God can use your life? And when he said that, immediately I, I, I kind of defended myself to him out there on the field. Now, this happened at, at training camp on the football field in Napa, California. And so he, he said it to me. I went back to my room at the hotel and I just help, kept hearing those words. Don't you know God can use your life? Don't you know God can use your life? And at that moment, 
it just hit me that, you know, I need to change my life and I need to let God. So right there in my room, all by myself during training camp, I gave my life to the Lord. I, I got on my knees and said, Lord, please forgive me for my sin. And I just confessed my sin and asked God to forgive me and to change my life. And I got up that 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 next morning and went down to breakfast. And I told Jerome, I said, hey, man, last night I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he was like, what? I said, you remember what you said to me on the field? I said, that, that man, God used that. It, it, it hit me. It hit, it hit me, man. I, that's what I need in my life. And and from that day forward, I never looked back. I've never looked back. And I've uh, I uh, just went on. And it was great because during during that time, we had a lot of time to, to go through discipleship and study the Bible. And I could ask Jerome and and then later uh, our pastor a bunch of questions about um, the Bible and, and, and just grow and learn. And uh, and so that's how that's how I basically gave my life to Christ. And like I said, I've never looked back. But I'm going to ask you to look back for a moment, though. And and here's the purpose of my question. As you think back, you mentioned about having occasionally gone to church as a child growing up. So you knew about God. But there was a moment, as you're pointing out, where there was a quickening of a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. As you look back now, Pastor Kaufman, can you see times in which the Holy Spirit was intervening and slowly nudging you and calling your attention to himself? Yeah. You know, I, 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 when I look back on my, on my life now, I could see that God was very gracious in extending his hand towards me, even though I wasn't ready to, to extend back. And so it's like, uh, but I, but I look back and I say, man, see, God, that was God telling that brother to speak to me back in college. That was God telling me to, to, to was speaking to me back then. I just couldn't hear it, and my heart wasn't in a, in the right place to really hear it. But I thank God that He kept sending people to sow the seeds. One plants, one waters. God gives the increase, and so God had people watering and planting in my life for a long time. My heart just wasn't ready, and then in that moment, it was it was time. My heart was ready. He spoke to me, um, and and like I said, I, I, I had had enough. Life had uh, had pushed me in a corner to I realized I need God. I need God. I need God in my life. And so it was a blessing. It was really a blessing that that God sent someone to the football field of all places to share to share with me and to try to push me in the right direction. What a blessing! What do you think now, as you reflect back on? Not only that encounter on the football field, you're surrendering your life to Christ in the hotel room at training camp that year. And to imagine here you are today, pastoring a vibrant, growing church, radio ministry, television ministry, God using you in spectacular ways. Could you ever imagined that transition, linebacker wow. to pastor? <laughs> I mean, I tell you, Craig, I, to this day, I still kind of, I'm just... You know, I tell my staff and my leadership team all the time at the church, you know, what a privilege, man. What a privilege. We are privileged to be able to serve in God's house. I I never forget where God found me in the condition I was really in. I try never to, you know, I try never to forget that. Like God found me at my worst and then he turns around and now he's given me an opportunity to serve in his house and a pastor's church and preach all over the world. I mean, it, it just it blows my mind. But at the same time, I mean, that's what God does. His plan is always better than your plan. 
Now, somebody eavesdropping on our conversation right now might say, well, 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 hold on, wait a minute. I remember Napoleon Kaufman from the Raiders. He was a star running back. He had everything going for him. He was a nice guy on the field. How can you say that your life was a mess or that there was something missing? What, what was that? And is there a common thread, perhaps, with all of us that no matter what your station in life might be, no matter what your professional success or even personal success might be, that there's nevertheless something missing absent a relationship with Christ? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a scripture that says a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things which he possesses. And so a lot of times you have people that they're up and out. See, you, we talk about people that are down and out, but we don't talk about people that were up and out, that are up and out. And there are people who have money. They have all this stuff. They have fame. I had, I mean, I, you know, people know me all over the place. But when I look myself in the mirror, I knew something's wrong with you. I mean, you got all the stuff, but something's wrong with you. And uh, that's the thing that really hit me right between the eyes is that God reminded me that you need me. And it's not because of money and all. you need me because you have an internal flaw called a sin nature that needs to be dealt with. And it needs to be crucified every day. And I need to come in. And that's when I started to, and especially when I started reading the Bible and I stopped measuring myself by what everybody who everybody else around me but i started measuring myself by the scripture i started saying man i really do need god (laughs) and i I still say that i need god because this is if christ is the prototype i need god i need god so i think that's the thing for me i wasn't down and out i was up and out and uh, there's so many people like that in life they've got all the good stuff but what about you how are you you and uh, and i really realized this craig that i that uh, I, I have some issues internally that God's got to deal with. And it's a blessing because that's what God does. He's in the he's in the, the soul-saving business. I love it. And I think it's an important distinction that you make because we so often tend to look on the outside. A man's yes. position, a man's success, a man's wealth. Uh, you know, and, it, and it's easy to maybe try to judge somebody based on what's in their wallet. But God yes. judges us based on what's in our heart, right? Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. And there, I think, Amen. is the important distinction that you're making. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the thing that is so important because, you know, you may have stuff, but the stuff have you. And that's the problem. You know, stuff has people. And so in order for us to really become whole, we have to get delivered. We need to let God really flush stuff out of us and, and get us into a healthy place where we're stable, we're healthy, we have an intimacy with Christ. Christ is being formed in us. His life is being formed in us. And then now everything else just it begins to flow. Now, I'm curious, the transition from the pigskin to the pulpit, as we'll say, was that something that at some point you felt that you were compelled to do? Was this something that God was calling to you to do, that there was kind of the irresistible, this is where the Lord is drawing me? Well, yeah. You know, what ended up happening with me is that very, very quickly, I started realizing that football was a means to an end. Now I'm doing what I was born to do. Mm. And so God used sport. He used football. I love football, you know, and I've been a head coach for, I was a head coach at Bishop Down for six years. So I, I, I'm still around it. I was the team chaplain for the Raiders for eight years, you know, so I'm still around it. But what happened was God used that as a, a tool to help push me 
into the position that I'm in now. And so uh, I started realizing very early on in my walk with Christ that God had a greater purpose for my life than just running with the ball. And so uh, I was at church one day. And I was growing, I was maturing, and uh, just really just soaking things in. And and my pastor basically just he acknowledged what everybody has seen that God has that God had a calling on my life, and that uh, He was calling me. And so I was willing to, at the t- at the at the when the time came, I was willing to respond to that call. And uh, and when God started really dealing with me about putting the cleats down, although it was very tough, I just knew that. Um, I needed to follow my grace. Mm-hmm. I needed to follow my grace, not the money. I need to follow my grace. And now God has blessed me financially. And it's, it's been amazing what God has done in my life, but I needed to follow my grace. And if my grace wasn't on the football field anymore, then I had to let that go and just follow the finger of God. And so that's what I chose to do. It wasn't easy, but it was, it wasn't a matter of reason. It was a matter of obedience On this edition of Church of the Week, our special guest today is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, Senior Pastor at the Well Christian Community of Livermore. A brief time out, back with more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the Well Christian Community of Livermore with us today. Pastor Kaufman, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago. You speak of God using all of that. Now for the benefit of the kingdom. Some might say, but wait a minute, though, Pastor Kaufman, you don't understand. God used your sports greatness for the benefit of his kingdom, but I have none of that. I am downtrodden. You don't know the pain that I have been through. And it might be an individual that has dealt with physical illness, disease, failed marriages, a, a painful, difficult childhood, maybe from a broken home, going through the pain of divorce, all of these things. So th- the question might be posed, if God could use you in your talents, skills, and abilities for the benefit of his kingdom, can all, God also use the individual who's been through a lot of pain, who's seen a lot. Can God use that also for the benefit of his kingdom? Well, I'll say it like this, you know, just because I was, I played in the NFL doesn't mean I didn't have pain. You know, I grew up in a single parent home. My mother, uh, my father was never really in my life. Um, My mother at an early age um, got addicted uh, to, to drugs. And, uh, and so I, I ended up in a very, very unstable situation growing up. Now, bless God, I praise God for my mom. Now she's doing, she's doing a lot better, and it's such a blessing and a great, a great mother. But you know, she she had her struggles, and so we we I grew up in a very tough situation, uh, a very impoverished situation. And most people that know my story in Lompoc are just amazed that that I've been able to go through it, and so and get to the place where I'm at. Um, I, I, I'll just say this. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues that they that they that they face. Um, the issue is, how are you going to use your setback for a setup for God to do something great in your life? And so, I never sit back. I've never sat back and made an excuse for why I couldn't have success because I didn't have this. I grew up in poverty. I grew up around drugs and drug addiction. I do. I never make excuses for that because God is bigger than that, man. And, and no matter what you're going through, 
and have been through, God can use your test as a testimony to uh, to push you forward in life if you will allow him. And I look back now and I just say, thank God, during even though I didn't have all those things and went through a tough time, you know, God has still was still good and gracious to me and helped me to get on the right path. I never try to make excuses. I'm reminded of the story in Scripture about the young blind boy and the question posed by the disciples, who has sinned here, this young man or his parents, thinking that maybe it's the impact of generational sin? And Jesus' response really kind of sets, not only sets the apostles straight, but maybe (laughs) ought to be something that all of us can keep in mind as we think through the pain that we've been through or are currently going through. The reply was neither, meaning it was not his sin or the sin of his parents, but that the glory, the works of God might be manifest in his life. And, yes. and, and maybe that's the key story here for all of us today. And that is that, you know, whether or not you're known as being the successful kid on the block, the troublemaker, the dentist, the menace on the block, whether or not you grew yeah. up with the proverbial, you know, silver spoon in your mouth or, you know, came up in the tough side of Lompoc and went through a lot of yeah. difficult challenges, regardless, God can use each and every one of us. I, I guess it just comes down to yeah. a matter a matter of yielding and being available, don't you think? Oh, yes, because, you know, at the end of, at the end of the day, there's no limitations for God. And your situation is not a limitation for God. God could take any situation, take any person out of a situation, turn around, clean you up, use it. I've just seen it so many hundreds of times, thousands of times in all the all the years I've been preaching now. It's just been amazing to see people's testimonies and stories. And God is limitless. It's amazing how he just pulls people out of the mud and just starts using them for his glory. And so I, I try never to make here at the church. People know I, I don't I don't want to hear an excuse about why you can't do this or what God can't do in your life. He can do it. Just yield to God, surrender to him and then watch God move. The spirit of God is moving. And and God quite often um, works through unlikely individuals and circumstances, doesn't he? I mean, he, he he's a jealous God. He wants all the credit. I, I think, for example, of a guy like Paul. Now, we all know him as, you know, one of the leading authorities of the the uh, the new church, the first century church, one of the contributors, perhaps the largest contributor to the New Testament. We know all of Paul in that profile of a, a pillar of the Christian faith. But to know Paul when he was Saul, pre-Damascus Road experience, who was an active persecutor of Christians and went around challenging Jesus at every turn and and, and basically made it his life goal to make the life of believers in that first century church as miserable as he could make them. And yet, of all the people that God would choose to save and to use, he chose Saul to become Paul. And, and, and I wonder, from your perspective, is there a message in that for all of us? Well, yeah. I mean, even if you consider somebody like Moses, you know, who who he, he didn't speak very well, had a stuttering problem. You know, most theologians would say and that he didn't communicate well and then he killed a man. And then he I mean, and then you think about David and then you think about I mean, the, you just go through the scripture to see how God uses the most unlikely people to do great things if they if they're yielded and they have a heart to just obey God. And so that's the thing that I look at. And that's why I don't put any limitations on what God can do when I'm when I'm preaching to the people here or, or all over the world. It's like, man, hey, God can use you. Just yield to him. Be obedient and watch what God will do. And so reading this Bible has helped to, to deliver me from any limitations on who God can use and who he can. God, a mender of broken vessels 
and a restorer of relationships. And let's spend a moment maybe talking about that, because certainly we understand the core message of the gospel is a fallen creation, mankind, separated from God through our sin, both the Damic as well as our own uh, innate sin nature. And yet God, in his perfect plan, wanting so much to be in fellowship with his creation, providing the means through his son, his only son, that he would pay the sacrifice for our benefit, that through him we could be reconciled unto the Father. Walk in that relationship with God, which we spoke of earlier, the difference between knowing of God and knowing God, and that little of word. Boy, that, that's, that's night and day, isn't it? This whole business of reconciliation, certainly one would think that the, the, the church would be foremost on the front line of, of helping people understand what it means to be reconciled. Uh, speak that, uh, if you would, please, uh, Pastor Coffin, both on the, the, the uh, vertical plane, as we've been addressing, but also on the, the horizontal plane, meaning reconciliation between men. Well, you know, I think, I think uh, it's, it's really hard to, to come to a healthy place of reconciliation with God when you think that you're okay, mm-hmm. when you think that you're all right. And in some cases, when you think, well, you know, you are God, you or, think that you... Or at the very least, I'm, I might not be perfect, but I'm better than everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I, I just don't... So uh, there's, the first thing that has to happen with this, we've got to be honest with ourselves. And that's why I talked about being up and out. It's like, it's not the stuff. I can't compare myself to anybody else. When I, when I look myself in the mirror, I have to be honest with myself. And, uh, and I think that um, what happens is when we come to grips with, you know, how much we need God, then reconciliation becomes easier. You know, I really need God in my life. I need God to be, to help me to be a husband, to be a father, to be a good friend, to be a person that is, you know, to serve in my church to, to work on my job. I just need God. I just need God in my life. Well, what happens is um, once we get that, revel- that revelation, reconciliation just begins to flow and God begins to really move in our lives because we're being honest and we're willing to repent, turn from our sin and, and, and seek his face. But then it's, it's the problem that you have is in the next phase, the question is hurt people, hurt people. Mm. So it's hard for me to reconcile with my brother if I'm still if I'm if I'm still hurt and I'm still allowing, you know, sin to, to rule in my life. So hurt people hurt people. And and so if I can get myself right, then I can be a blessing to other people. So reconciliation just begins to flow from the person who has been reconciled to God. It just naturally just begins to flow out of you because uh, you're no longer uh, operating from a position of, of being wounded and you know bitter and, and all the other stuff that comes with that. And so that's what I think happens. And we've, we just got to be honest with ourselves, let God deal with us. And then our relationship starts to flow. You take you wherever you go. And so I want to take the best me wherever I go so I can be a blessing to other people. Is it fair to say that, therefore, salvation is an event, meaning Christ's work on the cross, we accept it, we repent? That's an event, but sanctification, th- yes. that process of growth and healing okay. and forgiveness and shedding of the old man and all of that, that that's more of a yeah. process? Yeah. So what I, what I teach in my church is you're saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. So you're saved, 
Jesus saved you, but then you're being saved. I mean, he's sanctifying you and he's washing you and he's cleansing you. And then ultimately it says, and you, and I say, you will be saved, meaning he's going to crack the sky and he's going to come back and literally physically come back to get his bride who is making herself ready for his return. So it's a process. So we got to, and that's why Paul said that we have to, we have to, in the race, we got to, we got to make sure that we, in the race that we keep our focus. Cause what happens is, is that a lot of times, um, we want to go from A to Z, but God said, no, 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 I saved you. Now let's take you to the wilderness. Let's process you. Let's get you cleaned up. Let's get you out. And then by the time I get ready to crack the sky for my second coming, you're going to be ready. You're ready. And so I just think that for us, um, it is a process. And, and I was just sharing this with one of the members of my church the other day. I said, um, trust the process in somebody else's life. Before you get real mad at a person, trust the process in somebody else. You want you're going through a process. You want people to trust the process in your life. Trust the process in somebody else's life. God's working on all of us. On this edition of Church of the Week, our special guest today is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, Senior Pastor at the Well Christian Community of Livermore. A brief time out back with more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the Well Christian Community of Livermore with us today. Pastor Kaufman, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago. Yeah, and it's easy sometimes for us to try to apply our own personal standard to somebody else. And that takes us, I think, back to that old uh, adage of, you know, deal with the log in your own eye. (laughs) And it's interesting, too. It's kind of a a Philippians 2 moment as well. I'm reminded of that that scripture to, 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 in this matter of the process, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, And that's the thing about it is, you know, I think... To me personally, people need to be more serious about their faith. You know, we, we can't forget that the devil is trying to kill us all and take us out of the purpose of God. We have to understand that this is that he's a formidable foe. He's he's been doing this, deceiving people for years, thousands and thousands of years. So we have to understand that, you know, we got to fight on our hands, but we're victorious in Christ. But you have to be sober be vigilant because your adversary, he said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So I have to be on point. And I think sometimes we can get sloppy in our faith. We can get lackadaisical. You know, we can kind of go through the motions and and then we let our passion for Christ wane. We become weary. I just preached this on Sunday. We become weary in, in well-doing and then we faint. And so it's 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 important that we always, you know, it goes back to football. We got to we got to make sure that we stick to the fundamentals. Mm. And what you see on on the gridiron on Sunday is not something that happens instantaneous or by accident, is it? Meaning that there's a lot of hours of really hard work and practice. Yeah, perfecting the fundamentals, you know, keeping the ball in this right hand, making sure that your your technique is tight and all that type of stuff. What's the same thing? I got to read my Bible. I got to see God's face. I got to repent. When the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, I got to repent. I got to make sure that I do that. I have to be an individual that loves to worship God, that I just, hey, turn off all this of me. I, I want some worship. I need to worship God, enter in. Got to have great fellowship. You know, bad company corrupts good morals. I want to get around some good, godly people that are going to help me to grow and mature and walk with God. That, you know, it's the, it's the fundamentals that break down with people and people start dreaming 
drifting away from God or just drifting through life. We want to make sure that we that we're always mastering the fundamentals of this, that it just becomes your lifestyle. You quoted from John 10, 10 a moment ago, and I want to underscore that for a moment, because I wonder if today we're seeing cases where we are misidentifying who the enemy is. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. We've watched, certainly in the political environment, in the national discourse, um, a, a, a sense of anger and frustration that certainly in my lifetime I, I've never seen before. And I wonder... As you quote John 10.10, that our enemy, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's, That's the stated goal of Satan, so there's no surprise there. But I wonder if sometimes we shift our focus and instead of of seeing the battle against these these evil spirits in principalities and in places, high places, that yes. instead we think the enemy is is each other. And so now all of a sudden we're not going to battle against the enemy recognizing he's about there to steal, kill, and destroy, but rather fighting each other. Oh, yeah. The devil, he, he's, he's crafty, you know. He, and then, but Jesus said, he said that um, a house divided against itself will not stand, right? So what's happened is, as you see, by and large, uh, uh, around, this, this, around our country, is just divided. You know, the iron cannot mix with clay. So you have division that's taking place here throughout the, throughout, the, throughout the country. And the devil, he knows what he's doing. He uses race baiting, political affiliations. Jesus said, beware of the, of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And the leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. So you have religious uh, religiosity. And then he said of Herod, this is the political spirit. And you know, then then people are divided along p- political lines. And so what's happened is the country is being torn apart um, through the devil's deception. And then everybody thinks that they're right on their particular side. But the problem is, is that the church has allowed itself to get swept up into all the all this mess. And we're 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 not fighting the right way. You know, one of the things that happens when you watch a football game, you see two sides fighting against each other, but then you have these guys walking around in white and black clothes called the referees, and they're the ones that blow the whistles and keep things right. And uh, and then they throw the flag when something is wrong. And the church should be the entity in the earth that represents the kingdom of God and is helping people to constantly go back to God's standard and his standard and not get swept in. And I'm not against politics per se, but I'm against the political spirit that's seeking to sweep the church so far into a road that we think that our power comes from just, you know, yelling at each other instead of our power coming from being on our knees, praying and seeking God and repenting and allowing God to move. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from So what's happened is, it's like we're fighting, in my opinion, I think that sometimes, sometimes we fight the wrong way and we allow ourselves to become embittered and angry and hate. We hate the other side and we're not being the referee. We have to continue to be the referee um, because um, it, 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 the, the division is just sweeping in the church. And I see churches getting torn apart by this. I get, I see churches getting torn apart by the race baiting and the stuff that's going on political. And so 
you know, I just try to do the best I can to make sure that we're honoring God as a church community. We don't get swept up in the political stuff. We stand for righteousness on on. It doesn't matter whose side is right. We stand for righteousness. So if it's coming from the left or the right, if it's righteousness, then we're standing with that. But uh, what's happening is right now to me, Craig, it's it's, uh, you know, the devil's busy and he's tearing. He's bringing so much division. I've seen so many families the last two years. People don't even talk to their own siblings or family members because they're on a different side of the political aisle and churches are splitting over this stuff. Pastors are stepping down. But that's what Jesus said. A house divided against itself will not stand. On this edition of Church of the Week, our special guest today is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, Senior Pastor at the Well Christian Community of Livermore. A brief time out back with more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the Well Christian Community of Livermore with us today. Pastor Kaufman, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago. The irony is we sometimes, I think, revel in this spirit of division that we see. Some do, at least. And um, yes. I, maybe it's it's important to be mindful that there is one type of division that God supports. Now, <laughs> before you launch to the email and say, Craig said what? Here's the kind of division that God very specifically says will happen. And that is the day will come when God divides the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> Scripture has a lot to say about a lukewarm church and how God would spew us out of his mouth. So maybe yes. when we're, we're, we're busy, you know, lining up the, the, the lines of division, even as, you know, we're coming together for the first time in a couple of years during the holiday season, and we know Uncle Charlie's going to sit at the end of the table, <laughs> you know, at, at the big meal and start going on and on about this, that, or the other thing, realize that when God says he's going to divide, oh, he will divide, but his division is going to be calling us to task and really calling us to be accountable for what we know of the word, but have failed to live out and exercise, wouldn't you think? I, I, you're, you're right on, you know, it's, it's, you know, the church is called to be like the salmon, you know, we've got to swim upstream, but what it's so much easier just to get in the flow of what everything is going on in the culture and just go downstream and, uh, and just flow with what everybody else is doing and jump on everybody's soul box. But we have to, you know, our measuring stick is Christ. And then our point of reference is always the word of God. We've got to, we've got to allow the word of God to form our opinions, not what we see on Fox and CNN and MSNBC, all these news stations. We can't let that form our opinion. Our opinion should be always referenced to the scripture. It is the most, it is the most up-to-date and current news on the planet. It's right there in the book. God's telling us what's going to happen, and what we have to do is reference the scripture. But what 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 happens to us is we sometimes we get so so caught up, and then the problem is is that we think our power and our strength comes from from uh, from just being religious, or like Jesus said, from Herod. Like our power comes from political power. No, God is omnipotent; He's all powerful. And we have to start going to him and he will release his power and strength and give us the ability to navigate through everything that we see going on in the world. So that, that power then is not based on who we are and what we know, but rather on who he is. Is that what you're saying? Who he is. That, that's, where, that's where the power comes from. And see, God, all this stuff is easy for God if he has a people that will surrender to him. And, and so, you know, to me, I, I feel bad sometimes because I think that we, we, uh, we don't realize that that God is the source of our power. Now, 
he will use politics and different things like that for his glory. We know that. I appreciate that. But we got to spend more time on our knees and in prayer than we do just sitting there watching the news and then finding our talking points and just being an echo chamber. We got to get into the Bible. And isn't it interesting? You quoted briefly from Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and and you know we've often heard that scripture cited. People called by my name will humble themselves and pray, yes. seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. And, and it's conditional, by the way, because God says, do all of that. Then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. Yes. But I think some Christians yes. think, oh, yeah, that's right. Those sinners out there, they need to repent, failing to recognize that Second Chronicles 7.14 is not written to address the nonbeliever, but rather to the church, isn't it? Yeah, he said, if my people. And I think that's the thing. I mean, so we, we, the church, we got to get ourselves and position ourselves rightly before God and stop trusting in the arm of the flesh and, and trust in the arm of the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean we don't vote. We vote. We do all that stuff. But a lot of the divisive stuff that you see going on in and outside of the church is, you know, the devil, he knows how to bring division. And so I try to do the best I can at my church to keep that stuff out of the church and to continue just to look to look unto Jesus. Let's talk a bit about the Well Christian Community. We mentioned about the fact that you have both a television and a radio broadcast, Times of Refreshing, and uh, church, beautiful facility there in Livermore. Spend a few minutes. There are folks always that uh, would tune in that maybe are new to the San Francisco Bay Area. They're looking for a church home. Tell us a bit about the life and ministry of the Well Christian Community of Livermore. Well, our church, our church is a non-denominational, multi-ethnic church. church here. We're right outside of uh, Pleasanton, right here in Livermore uh, area. And we have, uh, we're coming up on, uh, I think this is going to be our 19 year anniversary coming up. Wow. So we, yeah, we've been going for a long time and it has just been a blessing to see how God has brought people from basically all over the, all over the Bay area to our church. And in some places, in some cases, from different parts of the world. And so our church is uh, very, very, very fired up for the Lord. Uh, We have some great ministries here at the church. Um, Our church, we have two schools here at the church, a school of worship and then a a school of theology and doctrine that we teach here at the church. Um, And it's just great. I would encourage people to come and and just get refreshed and, and hear from God. It's a blessing. And I just have such a great team. I have people that have been with me basically the whole time. And so I have a great leadership team here at the church. Folks, go to the website, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. They will probably be struck by the same thing I was struck by. And that is when you, you look at some of the offerings in terms of ministry opportunities, programs, the day-to-day life of that community, there's a lot going on. And it, it literally is a little something for everyone, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, we have like, I think we have 40, 50 ministries here at the church. Wow. There's a lot of stuff that people can get involved in if they want to get involved in our churches. You know, our church is like that old pack mule. You know what I mean? We just we just keep on going, man. And we just keep on grinding away and just working hard. And we're not very showy or anything like that, but but we're very consistent. My prayer is that we continue to be consistent in giving the gospel to people, teaching people how to fall in love with Jesus and the importance of that. And and just the simplicity of devotion to Christ. And so that's really what we're about. And uh, 
it's a, it's a blessing. Faithful in all the fundamentals. I love that. That's good stuff. Yeah. I want to mention to folks again that uh, if you're new to the Bay Area looking for a church home, check out the Well Christian Community. They're located at 2333 Neeson Drive in Livermore. And you can get more information on the web by simply going to thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. Your wife, Nicole, is also involved in ministry there at the church. Yeah, my wife, she's she's uh, my wife is a pastor here and she's over our children's ministry. And so we've been we've been doing this, like I said, pastoring for uh, almost 20 years now. And, and my wife has been the she just loves it. So she has her has her, her babies, man. She she does a great job, her and her team with the kids, the, the children's ministry here at the church. And so, uh, yeah, it's a blessing. And then one of the things that's a blessing, too, now is my sons I have two of my sons that are on the worship team. So they're working. They're working all the time in the ministry, too. So it's a blessing. That's neat. Well, I, I really appreciate spending some time with you today. We invite listeners to spend time with Pastor Napoleon, Napoleon Coffin on Times of Refreshing. He's also, of course, as we mentioned, our featured Church of the Week, and we look forward to that sermon coming up Sunday at 12 noon. The Well Christian Community on the web at thewellchurch.net. That's the Well Church. Net. And our thanks to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman for spending some time with us today. Pastor Kaufman, is always, a delight and an honor to visit with you. God bless you, man of God. On this edition of... On this edition of Church of the Week, on this edition of Church of the Week, our special guest today is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, Senior Pastor at the Well Christian Community of Livermore. A brief time out back with more of our dialogue right after this. Welcome back to our conversation, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the Well Christian Community of Livermore with us today. Pastor Kaufman, let's pick up where we left off just a moment ago. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.